Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. We're in Psalm 52. And uh, if you're online, why don't you do the same? Let me pray. Isaac, you want to come up here? And I'll pray for you. Okay, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these psalms that have been speaking to us, helping us to pray and process all the emotions of life. And pray for Isaac now as he preaches, that you'd be with him and your spirit would anoint him. And pray for our hearts. Lord, just this morning I was reading those parables where you say we can hear but not understand. We can see but not perceive. So I pray that we here today, physically and online, we would not just hear what is said, but would understand it. And there's the difference, that your word would go right into our hearts and bear fruit, and that fruit that would multiply. So we commit ourselves now to you to being stewards of your word and hearers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so, hey guys, how are we doing? So yeah, I was just saying, my name's Isaac. I'm heading into my second year at UCD. I'm studying science, 20 years old. And if you do know me, then you know that I did a gap year before this in inner city Manchester, and I actually really do fulfill a lot of the stereotypes of someone who's been on a gap year, most notably, and that I'll always talk about how I've been on a gap year. So I think it's fitting that I only chat about that a little bit more. So we were going into schools, prisons, youth groups, homeless shelters, playing music to then be able to share our faith, share the gospel. So essentially I got to pretend to be a Christian rapper for the year. Didn't actually mean I was any good at rapping. I just had to buy a chain and that was basically it. And we were also on lots of different placements. One of them I was on was as a teacher's assistant in a school in, in an area called Harper Hay, which really is one of the bottom 5% most deprived areas in the UK. It was for boys aged 11, aged 11 to 13, and it was trying to get them back into mainstream education because they were right on the verge from getting expelled into what's called a PRU, which is a pupil referral unit. It's basically a one-stop way to prison. So we're trying to get them back, back in. And it was heartbreaking because you could see how these boys really were so innocent at heart. Like rightfully, they were in the situations they were in. They had done bad stuff, but at heart, they really were so innocent. The problem was they were coming from areas where that innocent little boy had to die very quick and they had to put on that big man persona. Because you see, they were surrounded by crime. In literally every single family, they had people who'd been to jail at some point. They had people who were in jail right now. And drugs were everywhere. I remember having a chat with one guy, having to even remind him that drug dealing even was illegal. Such was the prevalence of drugs in their area. And it was brutal because you could see how these boys were getting dragged down by the people of influence in their lives. How these people were able to boast about their crimes. Not only that, they'd get away with it. And not only that, they were able to get success, money, wealth. These boys were idolizing them. And not only that, these guys were then dragging these poor boys down with them. And it's not an uncommon thing that we see in the world to ask why do good things happen to bad people? Is there hope? Is there justice? Is there right and wrong? And that is exactly what David is asking in this psalm. Now, it's written in response to what happens in 1 Samuel, chapters 21 to 23. And if you remember, Matthew actually preached about this a little while back. But just in case, let's just do a little bit of recap of what's going on. So, Saul is the king of Israel. And Saul's growing increasingly jealous of David because he's realized that David's getting very popular and 
and God's decided that David is going to be king. So what he decides to do is he decides to try to kill David. So now David's a fugitive on the run from the king. So when David is on the run, he goes up to a priest and he lies to the priest so that he'll help David, saying that he's on a special mission from the king. And David does this even though he knows that a guy called Doeg is watching. And David knows that Doeg, he's loyal to David. David knows that Doeg is loyal to Saul, and so he's going to report it to Saul. This he does, and then Saul tells Doeg that he has to kill not only the priest who helped him, but everyone in that entire town. And you know what? I wish I had this psalm going in to my gap here. I wish I had it in my back pocket, because the trials, they always come. And some of you guys, you might even be in them right now. So I encourage you, use this psalm to get the roof on before the storm hits. And for many of you, you need it right now. So this psalm shows us David's response to this terrible, terrible injustice he's seen. Shows how he comes to deal with it and how he still finds hope in God even after it. So let it give us a model as to when we're praying in times of injustice. Number one, to be real. Number two, to look to the future. And number three, to commit to God. So let it encourage us as we seek to pray with an eternal perspective to find hope in times of injustice. So let me just pray. God, we thank you for Psalm 52, and we pray that you would speak to us right now. So when praying in times of injustice, number one, be real. Let me just read these verses, verses one to four. So this is David speaking as if rhetorically to Doeg. He says, why do you boast of evil? you mighty hero. Why do you boast all day long, you who are disgraced in the eyes of God? You who practice deceit, your tongue plots destruction, it's like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Why? Why? Why are you boasting? Why are you getting away with it? You love evil, not good. You're a disgrace in the eyes of God. It's wrong. It's not fair. It shouldn't be happening. Why is this still happening? Why was George Floyd killed? Why is racism still a thing? Why are we still in this day and age needing to protest? Why is Yemen in ruins? Why did the explosion happen in Beirut? Why did your dad die? Why did your parents break up? Why did you get cancer? Why did you have that miscarriage? Why are there over 300,000 child soldiers in the world right now? Why is slavery still growing? How is it still growing? There's over 40 million slaves right now. That's one in every 200 people. Why? Why? Is there hope? Is there justice? Is there right and wrong? Well, if you feel like that sometimes, then you are not alone. Because David is feeling that exact same thing, that dissatisfaction with the world, that things should be better. But what we see here is how David honestly and openly expressed those emotions to God. Because with God, you don't have to hide your emotions. Now, I've grown up in a family where all the men have been sent off to boarding school in England. So very quickly you learn about how you have to be a proper man and not talk about emotions, push them straight down. I haven't cried since February 2018. But of course we know that that actually doesn't work and it's actually quite unhealthy. I know more than most. And we learn that actually when you don't express your emotions, it comes out in very other dangerous ways. It comes out in depression, rage, anger, everything. But what we see here is that with God, we can show our emotions. We can be open with him. We can be unfiltered with God. And not only is it going to mean that we don't have to express emotions in other ways, it's, it's going to get led out to God in a healthy way, but it's also going to create a deep, deeper relationship with him as well. So there was no shame to feel it. There's no shame to feel that despair, and there's no shame to bring it to God. 
It's not unchristian. It doesn't mean that we have to hide it from God. Rather, when we feel those whys, those why is this happening? It should bring us to God. Because deep down, we all know that we all want right and wrong. Deep down, we all want order. Deep down, we all cry out for a judgment. We all cry out for God who's just and is going to hold this world to account. Deep down, we don't want this world to be the result of an uncontrolled Big Bang. Deep down, we don't want this world to be the result of survival of the fittest. Deep down, we don't want this to be the result of chaos. Because deep down, we know that there is something more. And deep down, we know that in our despair, we need God. So don't feel ashamed when those whys come. Rather, embrace them. Let them take you to God. Don't hide what you're feeling. And you don't have to put on your Sunday best in front of God. He already knows what's going on. So talk honestly with him. Say what you're feeling. Be unfiltered with God. And when praying in times of injustice, be real. So number one, be real. And now number two, look to the future. So let me read again these verses, verses five to seven. And this is David speaking again. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at you saying, here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. So now we see point two, the action point that David does in response to those wise. Do you see what he does? He looks to the future. He looks beyond death. He looks to eternity. It's if he puts on 3D glasses, stops looking at life, finishing at death, but rather beyond to 3D, to eternity. He looks to the future. And what does he see? Well, he sees hope, doesn't he? He sees justice. He sees a God who is judge, who is judge of this earth, and he will punish the death. He sees that the wicked won't get away with it. He sees that there is order, that there is right and wrong. He sees that there is hope. He sees that Doeg's boasting is in fact in vain. Look, at verse 5, he says that Doeg is going to face everlasting ruin. And there is no need to despair because he sees that when he looks to the future, there is hope. You see, he's realized how short life is compared to eternity. Imagine this rope and this tape is the 80 odd years you're going to spend on this life. And the rest of this is eternity. Where is your focus set? Is it on the tape or is it on the rope? I'm surrounded by people in my life and they just focus on the tape. That you need to work hard so you can get a good job, so you can work hard so that you can get another good job, you can save up and then for your last 15, 20 years you can retire in half life. 15 years. Where is your focus set? Is it on the tape or is it on the rope? Because when your focus is on the rope and not on the tape, suddenly the injustice, the suffering, the despair, it all becomes very small. Where are you focused on? So put on your 3D glasses. Look to the future because justice is coming and there is hope. So it raises an interesting question then of who are the good and who are the wicked? We need to know. This is something that we should all be focusing on. So let's look at what Doeg is most condemned for. What is the thing that the Bible says here that he did most wrong? Well, do you see in verse 7 it says that he did not make God his stronghold but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. Does that surprise you? This is the guy who's just killed an entirely innocent town, killed everybody. Who knows what other war crimes he's done? 
Surely those should be on the list, but no. It's that he did not make God his stronghold. And it raises the point that the only way to life after death, the only way, is through trusting in God and God alone. That it's not good deeds that get you into heaven. There's no set amount of money that you can just give to charity and buy your way in. It's not if you're a nice person or if you're good outweighs the bad. No. Look, in John 14, verse 6, this is Jesus speaking, and he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through him. Now, imagine Jesus is this drumstick. And in Jesus' death and resurrection, he went and he broke through the power of death. He went from death into life, from this world into eternity. And then imagine you are this string. And when you put your hope and your faith in Jesus, when you make God your stronghold, he takes you through. You can't get through on your own. But with Jesus, he takes you through. Because faith in Jesus is the only way to find access to God. It is the only way to find life. It is the only way to find heaven. Jesus is the only way to find forgiveness for your sins. And you know what? As I look at this story, as I look at Doeg and David and Saul and everyone, I see Doeg in me. And I realize that I need Jesus. I need him. It's a bit like if you look to the news right now and you see the Black Lives Matter movement. And something that I've been learning, so many of us have been learning, is how at fault I am for racism still continuing. I'm, I'm realizing that just because I'm not a member of the KKK, there's still these inner prejudices that I've been holding and I'm having to deal with them. And it's the exact same thing with sin. Because in many ways, actually, I am, I'm not like Doeg. I'm not a mass murderer. But I have still harbored those same feelings of anger and violence that led him to do it. And I'm not like Saul ordering the genocide of an entirely innocent town. But I too have also harbored those same feelings of jealousy that led him to do that. Because who we really are, who I really am, is most seen by my inner thoughts and not by the outward actions. You see, God, in this world, the legal system, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look after your thought crimes, so to say. But God is going to hold us to account to that. That's exactly what he looks for. And you see that clearly in the Sermon of the Mount. Look at the Gospels. Your external righteousness, my external righteousness, is no protection because of my heart's inner wickedness. Because at the end of the day, I am like Doeg, and I know that I need Jesus. So put on your 3D glasses, look to the future, have an eternal perspective, because life will continue after death, and justice is coming. And with the faith in Jesus to get you through that, we really can have hope in that truth. Because life on earth truly is temporary. Your struggles temporary. Suffering, temporary. Injustice, temporary. But life after death, now that's eternal. And God's justice, it's eternal. So look to the future in prayer. Have hope because justice is coming. So when praying in times of injustice, number one, be real. Number two, look to the future. And now number three, commit. Now let's read those last two verses, verses eight to nine. And this is David saying, but I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. So we see here how David responds to the truth 
of eternity. And look at what he does. He commits to God. He comes back to him. Look, in verse 8, he says that he's going to trust in God's love. In verse 9, it says that he's going to praise God for what he's already done. And then in the second half of verse 9, it says that he's going to hope in God's name for it is good. He comes back to God. He doesn't go away from him, but he comes back. Now, what a contrast that is to Doeg. You see, in verse 7, we see that Doeg is condemned for not making God his stronghold. Well, we see here, David comes back to him. What a contrast. Because ultimately, we see that David is just as flawed as Doeg. He's equally responsible for the murder of that town. You know, he went to the priest, even though he knew that Doeg was going to report him. In 1 Samuel 22, verse 22, it says, this is David speaking, and he says, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible. And we can't look past the fact that this is Psalm 52, directly following Psalm 51, which we saw a couple weeks ago, which is talking about David after he had adultery with Bathsheba and then ordered the murder of her husband Uriah. David is just as flawed as Doeg. But here we see the separation because David does the opposite of Doeg and he comes back to God, calls upon his unfailing love. And this option is open to us as well. Do you have sin in your life? Are you stuck in a cycle? Like me, have you realized that we are all broken? Then make David a model and come back to God after sinning, not away from him. Because forgiveness is available. Jesus willingly paid the price of our sins on the cross. Willingly. And we know that God is just and justice will come. We've seen that. And with faith in Jesus, we get to choose now. We choose to either trust in Jesus so that he can willingly pay the price of our sin, or we can face up to it ourselves. And we'll face eternity in hell. The choice is ours. It's up to us as to how we respond. Because you see, the resurrection of Jesus, it's both the great hope and it's the great warning. It's the great hope. There is hope. There's forgiveness. There's a way out. But it's the great warning because it's another sign that judgment is coming. We choose how to respond. So don't respond to challenges by running away from God. Don't curse God. Don't think that he's gone away from you. Rather, commit to him again. Trust in him. Praise him. Hope in God. When praying in times of injustice, commit to God. Now, I wonder if you read verse 8 and seen, quite frankly, how ridiculous it sounds. David says that he's like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Now, it sounds pretty. It makes a great tattoo, but it really doesn't actually make any sense. You see, when David's writing this, he's currently dealing with the guilt and responsibility of the death of an entirely innocent town, everyone in that town. He's a fugitive on the run from the king himself, and he's hiding in the land of the arch enemies, the Philistines. David is far from flourishing. That's only when you look at life with 2D glasses. When you put on 3D glasses, look at life like David does with an eternal perspective. He knows, and then we realize, that life is not defined by the 80 years we spend on this earth. And so you can have peace in your despair. See, David knows God personally. He has hope for future just justice. He has trust in a God with unfailing love. He has an attitude of praise for an awesome God. And he has hope in a God who truly is good. Because everything changes when we have an eternal perspective. Our attitudes, our values, the things we chase after, everything gets shifted. The things that should break us now don't, and during despair, we find hope, and we find peace. And this psalm is such a model to us as to how to pray in response 
to the injustices we see, to the challenges we face. Christians have been using it for generations. And I encourage you to use this as well. To get the roof on before the storm hits. Use this song. So remember, when praying in times of injustice, number one, be real with God. Be open and honest and genuinely express to him how you're feeling. Number two, look to the future. Have an eternal perspective and have hope that justice really is coming. And number three, commit to God. Trust in him, praising him, hope in him. So now is the time to respond. What are you going to do? Have you realized that you've been chasing after the wrong things? You've been chasing after the tape and not the rope. Well, now is the time to commit to God and find the hope that the Bible really does promise. Have you lost your way? Has life swallowed you up? Have you lost sight of God? Have you lost your 3D glasses? Well, take this opportunity to recommit to God right now. Do you need to get the roof on? Do the wise keep bombarding you? Do you need to trust in God and his goodness? Well, ask God to help you to do that now. The space to respond now. Let's pray and worship our God. God, we thank you that you are good. And we thank you that you are in control. And so now we come to you again. We recommit to you. Thank you, God, for salvation. And so we thank you that we get to know you. Amen.